Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And Thomas Patrick Dorian. Howdy. How are you doing? Well, and you? I'm doing great. Uh, and Ziggy, you're great. You look you're, cash you're, today. I know. I got my hair cut off. I meant to order pancakes, but apparently I said spam cakes. I'm going to take the blame here, but I'm, I don't. I don't like these. You know this what? Food too much maple syrup and spam. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're in for a treat, buddy. Yeah, good nobody makes spam cakes like they do here at the Catholic Cafe. Uh, but speaking of food, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about a little parable today. Uh, and uh, I, you know what? I, have you guys ever been to Mass before? At uh, once. once, yeah. yeah okay, so, yeah. <laughs> great minds think alike. <laughs> Heathens think alike. Uh, no, uh, and so we go to Mass so often that sometimes we've heard these readings before, right? Mm-hmm. We've heard these readings at least a couple times. And, you know, as I get ready to uh, uh, hit 60, you know, it's like, well, I've been through 20 cycles of readings if it's a three-year cycle. So I've heard some of these things it, at Sunday Mass at least 20 times, mm. and sometimes more. And then certainly there's the daily Masses, and then there's, of course, the, the casual Bible reading and things. So we've heard all these things before, and a lot of times we'll hear these stories, these parables and whatever, and just kind of like not think much about them. Right. And so, I, you know, this weekend we're talking about, um, well, we're talking about growing things, but certainly we're going to talk about mustard seeds. And we're, we're going to stop and talk about this parable of the mustard seed. Uh, where we take this from the gospel according to Mark in the fourth chapter, um, and Jesus uh, is saying, I'll just quote him here, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that, when it is sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. Um, And that's a beautiful little parable. Right, it's 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 pretty, and we just hear that kind of stuff, and we kind of like, well, okay, let's go to Perkins and have breakfast because we just we heard a nice little parable, and let's move on, and and there might be a nice homily about you know seeds and growing things and whatever, but Tom, you know, Sam here had uh, like. A profound experience. He did indeed. He had. It's the only mustard seed he experience. Has profound experience. Yeah, but it was a mustard seed experience. Oh, I thought you were talking about the spam cakes. No, no, no. <laughs> we actually use mustard seeds in the spam cakes. So part of the secret recipe. I just let it go. Um, no. So Sam, I thought we would just uh, you. You have a little testimony to share with us about the mustard seed and and your experience of it. So, uh, and I will also just so everyone knows, we just went through. Uh, talking about uh, the body and blood of Jesus, Corpus Christi, right? Mm. Uh, the previous week, and so uh, with that, with that in that context, tell us what you were uh, what you were sharing, what you'd like to share about this mustard seed story for you. Well, so I can point in my life to uh, an actual mustard seed experience that I had uh, that helped me grow in the faith and actually stay uh, growing in the faith. And some of you know my. Testimony, and some of you don't. You can look it up on YouTube, just Sam Rodriguez uh, conversion story, and you can see the story there. But there are several years um, in my life 
when I was not active in the church. You know, right after high school. Oh, that's a shocker. <laughs> you're, you're probably the only one. <laughs> yeah. Now, Tom was always active. I, I, I no. spent a little time away. No, I think we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like in college, definitely fell hard. You know, I would go on mat to mass with a, on, a, on a Sunday if I was with my family or something like that. But other than that, it, it didn't even cross my mind to go to mass. Didn't cross my mind to pray. I was not the praying type at all. Um, I had a sort of a mini reversion experience in 2005, uh, about a year after I, I graduated college. Uh, but that was short-lived. And um, there was an, another period from then, uh, from like the fall of 2005 through Uh, November 2011, where again, I was living far away from the faith. And there was a lot, there's sort of a complicated story behind what ultimately brought me back around and brought me back to the faith. We're going to skip a lot of that. Um, But there is something that I don't typically talk about when I share my witness story that is also uh, was a big part of what brought me back home to the church. And that's this. When I was in you know, sixth grade. That's what I was when I when my family made the choice to return to the church. My dad had left the church. My mom grew up Methodist. She wasn't active in the church in the Methodist church when they married, and so I didn't grow up in church. And it, when I was in sixth grade, that was around the time when my family made the choice. And a priest, uh, my dad consulted with a priest, and he felt good about that consultation enough to where he said, "Okay." I'm going to come home to the church. My mom went through RCIA, and she made the choice to join the church. And then I started getting uh, catechized. Um, And I had my first Eucharist experience in sixth grade. And I remember it being an extremely profound experience. And, you know, I hadn't had much catechesis. I hadn't had much exposure to the faith. I hadn't had much exposure to Jesus. Um, And yet... I had heart knowledge that this was Jesus when I took the Eucharist. So I, you, so you, you didn't know theologically, right? All of that stuff. You, you, your mind hadn't wrapped around it, but but you believed. I be- exactly, exactly. I had extremely poor uh, understandings of the faith at that point. Um, but I knew that I had just consumed the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and that He is God. I knew that. And uh, in fact, I'll tell you, when I was a kid, there was a long period of time that I literally, I, I kept a running tally of how many communions I had received because each one was so special to me. Mm. And I lost that tally and I don't know uh, how long I kept it, but it was for, I believe it was for a few years that I kept a tally of every single I had 10,997. <laughs> not that anyone's counting. <laughs> And so, you know, I didn't have like a super active prayer life as a kid. I mean, I prayed the rosary um, and I and I went to mass on Sundays. And in terms of studying the faith and really getting formed in it, I didn't dive into any of that stuff. I wasn't involved. I was involved in youth group, but nothing like super special in terms of faith formation. But those special experiences that I had receiving the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist that stayed with me. And I remember both in 2005 when I had that first reversion experience and in 2011 when I had the reversion experience that finally stuck. Um, being able to return to that place, that memory of what it was like receiving Jesus in the Eucharist as a kid and that heart knowledge that had just been planting there, that that's truly him. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, we're going to pause for one second. Yeah. 
Okay, I, I don't want to interrupt the story except to say that this is important for people to hear because um, we we don't necessarily realize what effect we're having on especially young minds, yeah. impressionable minds about the faith. So as we're we're doing first communion preparation, you know, as parents, uh, when we're we're teaching and educating about the faith, about the church, about Jesus specifically, um, it, this is having an impact. Yes. Right, and this is why Jesus said several times in Scripture, "Let the little children come to me." Right, and have the, and the, have the faith of a child. These are important concepts because something there, there's there's a mystery there that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. There actually is a conversion that's that's happening in a very mysterious, mystical way in the heart of a new Christian or in the heart of a child um, that we can't fully understand. But but we don't want to. So, so when the parents will say things like, "Well, I'm going to wait until they're old enough to understand," then we're going right. to allow them to decide. It's like, no, that's the whole point of baptizing infants. It's the whole point of of, of walking them through this first communion process of uh, you know first reconciliation, where they're just looking at you. They look up. They're you're holding their hands and they're looking up at you and they're they're trusting you. Right, they'll they'll follow you into fire. Kids will because they trust you and they know that you love them. And so we don't want to ever back down from this Eucharist and what we believe about the Eucharist, especially to little kids. Well, and it's also let's give God an opportunity to speak for Himself in the hearts of our children. Amen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's, and that's the mystery part of it to me. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry to have interrupted, but I want oh, people no. to understand how important it was for you yeah. to have been taught that as a young person. You were in sixth grade, you said, but right. but but still young and impressionable and how that actually paid off in dividends later yes it was a seed that was planted right a mustard (laughs) seed exactly so and i had that i had this awakening as to it being a mustard seed in 2005 when i had my first reversion experience even though that didn't take and i i mean like i said by the fall of 2005 i'd already fallen and, and had stopped going to mass again and it was several years before I got back on track, but it was still important to my overall story of getting to know God and receiving God. Um, but I will say with regard to the the, what a, the mustard seed awakening that I had in 2005 was I started thinking, because I was what I was wrestling with the church, there's a lot of all these hard teachings of the church. I was, I was trained in, in, at Middlebury College in a fairly sophisticated philosophical training, you know, and being able to actually study Catholic theology and Catholic writings armed with what I had learned in my liberal arts education and and to really engage uh, the the more sophisticated elements of, of, of our faith and I'm wrestling with all of these things uh, you know in the catechism these various hard teachings and that was a big part of my reversion experience but also in the back of my mind was man I'm always going to believe that that was Jesus. Yeah. What I had when I was in sixth grade, I'm always going to believe that that was Jesus. I always have believed it. it, even though it didn't cause me to show up to church, even though I wasn't living out my faith, no part of me really ever doubted that fully. And so I, as I started to let myself experience sort of what the, uh, what the implications of that were, and, and accept the implications of that. I started thinking, okay, well, if I believe that's Jesus, then I believe that there's a God and it's Jesus, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Secondly, I, if I don't think I can just go grab a, 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 a host, you know, or some sort of unleavened bread and just say some words over it myself and consecrate it as the Eucharist, if I don't believe that I can do that, 
then obviously I'm saying that there's something special about the priesthood. And these priests aren't just kind of showing up out of nowhere with this capacity to do it. This is something that is being handed on through the laying of hands from the time of the apostles. So I'm believing in apostolic succession. So then at that point, if I'm believing that Jesus himself has instituted these sacraments and that he's instituted the church and he's entrusted it to the apostles and they've handed it down through the apostolic succession and the sacramental grace is handed to us through these priests as a fruit of that apostolic succession. Well, it stopped being as hard as I'm sitting here wrestling with all these teachings and using all these fancy philosophical training that I had gotten to think, well, wait a second, maybe those same people were also entrusted with a teaching authority. Mm, (laughs) And to to maybe exercise a little bit more humility in how I was going to engage uh, these teachings. And once I really allowed myself to accept that this faith in the real presence of the Eucharist was, at this point, unshakable and just real and a part of who I was. And then I gave permission to God to really let that grow in my heart. That's when I realized, wait, this is a mustard seed. This is my own little mustard seed. Yeah, no, that, and that's what I love about this because it, what essentially when we're reading that parable, we hear that parable and it's talking about this, this tiniest of seeds, right? Jesus is referring to this, the, the tiniest of seeds on the earth and it grows to be this big, huge, strong, I don't know if you've seen a mustard tree um, I think they they uh, have them down there at the Kroger, and they got the little yellow bottles that come off it. Off of it. incredible. <laughs> no, so, the, the, so a mustard tree is like this very very sturdy, big, huge, giant thing, mm. right? And it but it starts from this tiniest of seeds. And as I'm listening to you tell that little bit of a witness there, I, I love how um, you know all these different branches that shoot out, right? So once that. Uh, that sixth grader mustard seed experience with Eucharist. Yeah. Right? When somebody said to you, Sammy, this is Jesus. Yes. This is really Jesus. You're like, okay. You know? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and from, from that point, I mean, that, that essentially is the mustard seed. And then, that, and then as it's, it's nurtured and as it grows, uh, each of these branches... Right, apostolic succession. I mean, just like all these things start shooting out of this, and it becomes a tree. But the only thing I'd add to that is, yes, in part, the teachers laid the groundwork by saying, "Sammy, this is Jesus." But there was also the experience of Jesus saying, "Sammy, this is me." Yeah. Oh, amen. I'm not. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to say that you didn't have a real. I oh, mean, sure, yes, sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I, again, I, I'm just going back to it. Like, it's important. Formation is important. Oh, hundred percent. And what yeah. we do. Uh, and and you can see as part of formation, it's important. Not only do we say that somebody said that to you, but the reality is that you have. If we believe that to be true, yeah, that Jesus is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in Eucharist, then we actually believe that Jesus is the one that's, that's doing all of the the miracle, right, right, in you. Um, and, and so I'm I'm just saying that once that happens, yes. Then, um, then you become fertile ground. Yes, right? you become a tree. Right, and you, you, you now are sprouting left and right. And it's like, look at that Catholic boy over there. <laughs> I mean, he believes all of it. Right, but right? he doesn't just believe one or two little pieces of. It. He believes all of it. Well, you're bringing up a great point too in terms of formation. I was, I was having a conversation at one point uh, with. She's a convert from uh, Protestant background, and she. Loves Mary. She's very quick to let let us know she's she's not anti Mary, 
but she's very concerned about Marian devotion and saying like, well, where's the line? You know, you got to tell me where the line is, et cetera, et cetera. And so I tried to walk her through what the church teaches, what God is and what Mary is. And, you know, God is infinite and eternal. And, you know, there's a certain kind of prayer reserved to him. Adoration. Mary is a creature. You know, this is, we give her veneration, highest form of veneration, but it's not adoration and try to lay all that out. And basically in, in the course of the conversation, what became clear is I was like, listen, if you don't study the church teachings about who God is and who Mary is and who she isn't, right. you're not going to have the right understanding and right ground. There's no substitute for putting in the work yeah. of learning what the church teaches and giving yourself the time to contemplate it. And I think the contemplation step is an important thing because that can be a way in which that head knowledge moves to heart knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, because I was sitting there struggling with all the head knowledge, trying to use philosophy uh, and philosoph- philosophical techniques to kind of analyze what was in the catechism. But when God was allowing me to just sort of sit with the truth of the experience I had with the Eucharist and like you were saying, just kind of letting it grow mm. that time of contemplation yeah. God was letting heart knowledge grow. He was he wasn't really as worried about the head knowledge, but the head knowledge can still balance the 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 the, the, the heart knowledge. It can be it can, you can the two can help each other grow. Yeah, and I and I, again, I and I don't want to uh, beat up on our separated brothers and sisters and your Protestant friend, uh, but I know that um, essentially what she had as formation. Yeah would not have been the same as what you had and so so the the her mustard seed experience i mean you would have been planting the seed or been part of that process of planting a seed about mary right right that eventually that she may be, maybe who knows in a conversion experience she may be on a radio program somewhere <laughs> and, and say i was talking to this guy named sam <laughs> Uh, and uh, and and that's it's quite possible. That's why we have to look at all this stuff and realize that. And and you know what? That's why there's so many parables about farming and growing and agriculture mm. uh, in in scriptures because that's exactly what's happening. That that essentially uh, seeds are being planted day in and day out uh, the, through the through the gospels, through uh, interactions, through Jesus's presence here uh, in our lives, and and how we share that. Uh, reality with each other. I mean, th- we're planting seeds, and this is what evangelization is all about. I mean, yeah. we're especially supposed to be evangelists, and so uh, you know, of course, it requires the Holy Spirit to nourish uh, the seed and 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 to, and to allow it to grow. Uh, and we don't do that on our own accord. But the reality is, the seeds have to be planted, and then only when they're planted can they then grow. Um, and we need to realize that, like, so when we listen to this parable about the mustard seed. To realize the potential, even if it was a if 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 your mustard seed was going to be if whoever's listening, your mustard seed was going to be Eucharist this weekend. Maybe you're receiving the Eucharist, and we just had Corpus Christi. You know, you're receiving the Eucharist now, and you're kind of going like, "Well, I've I've done this for you know the better part of my life, and it's just kind of a routine kind of a thing." Uh, you know, allow it to be a seed, yeah, and see where it grows. And think about this for a second: the the God of the universe, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Um, arguably the greatest thing ever, right? And incomprehensibly large, right? Is made present to us in the form of a tiny little little round wafer about the size of a quarter, <laughs> yeah. right? And you think of that like a mustard seed. So, so essentially ingest, like take our Lord in and then allow him to grow. 
there's no if if the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, which it is, then His real presence in the Eucharist. There's no better mustard seed than that. Amen. Right. Exactly. So, and that's a, a curious phrase. I love that phrase: the source and the summit. Yeah. It's where everything flows from, and where everything flows to, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a really big, beautiful uh, sort of Trinitarian circle. Right, it's that that circle of completeness. Everything is empowered by God. Everything comes from Jesus, uh, you know, uh, as the second person of the of the Most Holy Trinity. But everything flows to Him, and this Eucharist, Him, Jesus, right, His presence among us, um, harkens us back to the very beginning, right? Well, to all eternity, when God has God has always existed. And also to all eternity where God will continue to always exist. And so we are on this, we're in a continuum of time. Yeah. And he is not. Right. Right? And and so he Jesus continues to be the source of all of our strength, of all, all beauty, of all life, of all holiness, of all mercy, of all, uh, all that is good. Right? But it leads us, he leads us to all that is good, all that is eternal. And that's what I love about... You know, the, just the phrase, the source and the summit of our faith. It also makes it all the more tragic that so few people believe nowadays in the real presence of the Eucharist. You know, it, like we had Annie Salato a few weeks ago in the, uh, I think she was our guest on Divine Mercy Sunday, mm-hmm. and she talked about the Pew Research poll where, what is it, 30%? Something? Just 30%, uh, you know, believed in the true presence of the Eucharist. And, and if people don't think that's a crisis... I mean, I'm going to ask you a question. Why Why are you going to be Catholic if you don't think that's a big deal? Because the whole thing is, I mean, this is one of the, the source and summit of our faith. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't believe that, and again, I understand there, there are moments of personal crisis. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit, I've stood next to the, the, the priest consecrating the host. And I'm right there next to this miracle. And there are a couple of times I'll go like, Lord, take the scales off my eyes. I'm, I'm having difficulty right now believing that's actually you. Mm-hmm. Help me to see you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all go through those moments in our life uh, where we have doubts. I, and I get that's mm-hmm. human. We should ask questions. We should have doubts. That's normal, right? But also we need to be open. And if we're going to have doubts and questions, we need to listen. Because God will reply. In fact, he'll shout at us and let us know how much he loves us. And and the thing is, uh, people who think that's not important, that the Eucharist is not the most important part of our faith or vital to our faith. In other words, it's okay if little Johnny doesn't believe in the Eucharist. It's not a big deal. He can still be Catholic. It's like, no, not so much. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I don't be judgmental. I'm not creating the Deacon Jeff litmus test. <laughs> but really, when you're departing in such a major way from the Catholic faith, or you don't think it's important, maybe you need to start to ask yourself, like, why am I Catholic? Yeah. What is it that draws me to this to this church? So you guys are, are fathers of very large families. So, you know, we probably have other parent, people out there in the uh, in radio land who have very big families as well. It's like if you're going to have one major priority with your kids, probably in, in building them up in a belief in the real presence in the Eucharist, Hard to think of something more important than that, right? That's right, because you can go through all kinds of, like, what is the most important thing I need? If I could tell them one thing, you know, I guess if you stick, in, in hindsight, you sit and look at all the different things you can tell them, 
That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's really Jesus yes. <laughs> pointing to the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, amen. I mean, I know when I do marriage prep with couples, you know, I talk about if you remember anything that I tell you out of these, uh, you know, six to eight weeks that we get together and talk, if there's anything you remember, it's just remember the, the, these two words, one flesh. It's just, a, it's just something I've always done. And I, I got to tell you, pretty much every wet wedding I've, I've done, right, the couples will choose... They'll choose that Old Testament Genesis reading, talking, or Jesus, you know, saying the, you know, that we are one flesh. Yeah. Right? The two shall become one flesh. And it's because it impacts them and they realize something. And so it's like, to me, it's like, you know, all teaching, you can get as deep as you want. You can go in many directions as you want. But the reality is, it comes down to a simple truth. And that is the, the reality of Jesus Christ made present in the Eucharist to us. And so uh, that personal knowledge of Jesus in your life is the most important thing that you can receive, but also the most important thing that you can give, right? So that's our challenge, uh, you know, as we're looking uh, at saving the world. And, and so as we, as we hear this reading, uh, you know, and based on what Sam was talking about, like his sort of mustard seed experience, I, I just invite you into some kind of mustard seed experience. What is, what is going to be your mustard seed? What is going to impart... Uh, some eternal growth or some sense of the divine in you, and what's gonna what what is that gonna re- reveal to you? Are you gonna have a, a greater faith in the Eucharist? Are you gonna have a greater faith in the Church, in apostolic succession, or <laughs> in 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 the priesthood, or going to confession, or what is it about your church? What is it about your life that needs the most growth? Right. And what seed can be planted in you? And I'm going to just go ahead and say, I think it's Jesus. But what 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 seed can Spoiler. be planted in you that that is going to is going to yield that growth? And so, just to allow that uh, to be uh, to be the case. And I'll just make one more little plug here for confession. Tom and I always love to talk about mm-hmm. confession, but you need to have fertile soil, fertile ground for for Jesus to take root in. You got to get the weeds out of there. Amen. And and Jesus is good at you know he's the, the ultimate weed eater. Uh, but he he will uh, you know when we have that fertile soil when we when we go to confession and we make uh, our our soul ready to be uh, that tabernacle to receive Jesus that's when the really good stuff's going to happen. It's like that commercial where the guy says, "Let me get your weeds." I'm imagining Jesus saying that about our oh, souls. Let me, let, me, let me kill your weeds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what's going to happen, and that's what needs to happen. And so, let this uh, mustard seed Sunday—I don't think they're going to call it that. You know, that ought to be a feast day, the feast of the mustard seeds. Uh, that's what we need to have here uh, as a mustard seed experience. So we pray that, and we also ask the Blessed Mother uh, to pray for us uh, and help us on this this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray pray for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.